Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside... Connor Baltazor. And today, we are going to be recapping the K-State-Oklahoma game, which unfortunately resulted in a 34-31 K-State loss. But again, we still fought the entire... Was it 31? What is it, 37? 37, yeah. 37-31 loss. I always... I always mess up at least once. But we still fought throughout the entire game, and this was a loss that I actually think is has a lot of moments for optimism. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. Not to like jump over what you were saying, but no, I do agree with you. This loss felt way... It was, it was a lot more stomachable than the OSU loss, I guess is what I would say. Yeah, because the, the OSU loss was not... It just was not. Oh, it was just bad. Yeah. But let's just go right into the general game day recap. And the first thing that I have written down is that the student section was actually very lively. You can probably tell by our voices that they're both a little bit shot. But, especially mine, because I had to do an hour of speaking earlier because I'm on the K-State speech team. But, yeah, I my voice is shot. I'm, I know yours isn't doing the greatest either. Mine never is, because I'm not, I'm not a naturally loud talker, except at games. So I generally lose my voice, like, maybe three minutes into the first quarter. So, or at least, it, like, I damage it. So, I, I don't know, I never do too well with my voice after games. Yeah. Well, the student section was actually lively throughout the majority of the game. Uh, my roommate got on TV, like, a close-up of him. So, I'm not telling you which frame it is, but let's just say it was at a critical point in the game. And he was certainly thinking about something. (laughs) Um, He he was thinking. It was intellectual. (laughs) But yeah, then the next thing that we have written down before we get into the actual play of the game, it's it's all capital letters, exclamation point, ref ball, and good lord. Like, I know it's a meme. I know it's a giant joke. Everyone says, haha, Big 12 refs suck. No, 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 no. no. Hey, it's not a joke. It's real. No, this is this is the reality with which we're dealing. This is one of the worst officiated games that I have ever seen. Yeah, it was it was pretty atrocious, especially when you have to make an apology after the game, and the apology is still wrong. Because <laughs> they made an apology for, uh, or they, it was an explanation for like why there were two reviews, and they like said, "Hey, this is why we're citing the rules," and then Mike Pereira. Uh, the professional rules analyst for Fox Sports, and then another guy, Terry McCauley, I believe is his name. He's another rules analyst for somewhere else. I don't know where, but he is verified on Twitter, if that means anything. Oh, boy. And they both basically call out the Big 12 for just straight-up lying about (laughs) in in their explanation and saying, well, no, this is wrong because this is literally what it... Like, it literally says in the Big 12, in, in the rule book, you cannot review a play more than once, like, period. And like, if and if it was for something different, they did not specify that. They very actively did not do that. So, pretty embarrassing uh, showing from the officials. I am up in the air. Um, like, I, I try not to like 
go out and be like the refs are the reason that we lost but they certainly <laughs> didn't help us they certainly didn't help us win <laughs> yeah because there's a lot of holding calls a specific and i know you can make you can always make the argument here but there were a couple of really really bad holding calls that resulted in like a few touchdowns for oklahoma that just weren't called and yeah then i understand reviewing the landry catch not a catch at the time, I thought it was. Looking back on it, no, it wasn't. But not reviewing the Drake Stoops fumble, which it was a fumble, that I just yeah. don't understand how you don't do your due diligence on that. Yeah, I, I didn't quite understand that either. Then, of course, the big uh, double review, the rare double review, the literally impossible. Literally illegal double review. That I've never seen anything like that. I've been watching college football for as long as I've been alive. And so that was really, God, that was infuriating. I would get out of that review, and they're, uh, and, and they're like, uh, you know, possession remains of K-State, and everybody was so excited. And it got to the point where even though you didn't get points out of that drive, they threw an interception on a great pick by Julius Brents. Um, it didn't matter because we, A, lost uh, a couple minutes of game time, and B, lost all of the momentum uh, that came with uh, – uh, the uh, onside kick recovery on what was just a, a unbelievably gutsy call by Kleiman. Kleiman had one of his best games as a head coach. Absolutely. In, uh, in terms of uh, strategy. With calls to go for it on so often. Yep. At Kleiman and Messingham, they were in their bag on Saturday. They 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 deserve all the credit in the world for K-City even being close in that game. And it wasn't even just being close, air quotes. It was like they K State was actively in this game, even when they were down, uh, twenty seven ten. It felt bad, but I didn't feel like we were playing poorly, at least offensively. Yeah. Like like it felt like we were in it. Yeah. Now the next big score story. I was mixing the word Skyler with story. The next big story is Skyler Thompson did indeed make his return. And apparently had only been cleared that morning to play. So just that's just a big hero moment for Skyler. And even more so that he had the performance that he did. He came out and threw for 320 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And honestly, post-injury Skyler might be better than pre-injury Skyler. Yeah, we were talking about this in the game. And uh, it, it, was, it was something worth noting that... Post-injury Skyler, he, I, I think it's clear that he's not comfortable scrambling right now, uh, which I totally understand. But what that's forcing him to do is stay in the pocket longer and forcing him to make more reads and just let plays develop. And it's also uh, forced him to have heightened pocket awareness, and he steps up in the pocket more rather than just running out. He still runs out occasionally, like but when it's pertinent, not just every single time. So... Funnily enough, the um, immobilization of Skyler has made him a better passer, possibly. At the very least, it's forcing him to do things that he wasn't doing previously. Yeah. And I feel as if with how successful Will Howard has been in the QB run game, I still think that there may be packages for him, especially if Skyler doesn't have the mobility that he's used to. But even then, the pocket awareness that he showed, especially to escape out the front door, as often as he did. That was really, really encouraging to see. On the ground, we had an even 100 yards, which 
not ideal for no. what offense we want to run. But. No. Yeah, it's definitely not enough. Um, although OU did play pretty sound run defense for a majority of the game. They were not porous. Yeah, they were not porous, unfortunately. Uh, they they did play good run defense. Uh, they did have some lapses here and there, but um, there were several occasions where we tried outside run and it just uh, would get blown up. Just team speed for OU was pretty significant, although we did have a few successful runs on the outside as well. Yeah, so. and, and Noah Johnson sent two people to space. Yeah, Noah Johnson, he, he did have a few times where he uh, missed a key block on the outside that led to attack for loss, but when that wasn't happening, he was just having absolutely elite blocks. Uh, a Deuce Vaughn run that went for, I think, 12 or 13 yards. Uh, a Noah Johnson uh, got out there, and he just absolutely eviscerated somebody, and then whilst plowing through someone and flipping them over, he also hit OU's uh, edge rusher, Nick Benito, and sent him flying as well. So he took out two people at once, which was very impressive for uh, No Johnson, who's been struggling. Yeah, so. which, like, I don't think it was his intention to, to take out Nick Benito. I think it was just kind of there. Yep. But that but, did probably result in an extra five yards on that run for Deuce. So, yeah. Yeah. Some nice downfield blocking. Now, in the receiving game, our leading receiver was Deuce Vaughn, who had 10 catches for 104 yards. Two of those, I kind of wish he dropped because he kind of got assassinated, and they were like one-yard gains. But other than that, he Deuce had himself a great day through the air. Yeah, he uh, he had the the the, the excellent play um, down by the goal line to make it. I believe it was a one-score game at that point. At the time, yeah. Yeah, and uh, where he just kind of trailed out of the backfield in a mesh concept. Uh, we ran a lot of mesh against OU. They they I messes mesh that messes <laughs> messes mesh and it's clear that they identified the short game weakness uh, that OU's pass defense has uh, that we also were looking at and they were trying to take advantage of it and they did uh, very effectively I will say and that that was really encouraging to see and they were stuck with that the whole game because I mean even Nick Lenners was wide open on that play <laughs> and he is not a very fast guy yeah. and he, like. I, I was, like, in the student section, I was like, oh, Leonard's, Leonard's, hit Leonard's. Because, like, he would have scored, I think, if we had passed it to him. Maybe. If he didn't trip over himself. and <laughs> Ran the right route. Yep. But then we just dumped it off to Deuce instead, which he has better hands. He's faster. Why not? Yeah. And then the surprise of the day, the second leading yards getter was Landry Weber, who went four for 65. And we were sitting with someone who... It's just dumping on Landry, <laughs> and every time he did it, he came up with a clutch catch. Yeah, it was hilarious. The first time he said he, he was like, "Oh, Landry is like the worst player on the team," and you know, it's like f- fair statement. Like, probably not completely accurate, but I get what you're saying. And then like that play, he had a, a key first down conversion. Same thing happened later with the uh, uh, another conversion literally same route from Landry to send everyone deep and just have Landry run a comeback and nobody was even on the <laughs> same planet as him and like that, that that was continuous like even when he got the touchdown you know, I was talking smack on Landry Landry's wide open for a touchdown <laughs> it was hilarious to see but uh Landry he, he was clutch uh there's nothing else to say about it. all of his catches came up in the big time uh I still don't know how I feel about the one catch that they they overturned um, I don't think it was a catch. I wanted it to be, but it wasn't. 
I get the argument for it being a catch just because the ball didn't really move when he had it, but I don't know. Like, I'm just more upset with the refs at giving OU all the breaks when they're the ones that we're supposed to hate. Yeah. Like, that that's what's most surprising about the ref stuff yesterday is that it was all breaking OU's way when, you know, I really thought that now with OU leaving the conference that there might be some questionable calls uh, going against OU. But wait, wait for Bedlam when they don't call any unsportsmanlike penalties? That would be very entertaining. If just for one day they, like, just suspended all personal fouls. <laughs> 18 targeting penalties there, don't get called. There would be deaths on the field. Spencer Rattler would hide in the locker room. <laughs> he wouldn't come out. Nope. Also, shout out to Spencer Rattler who winked and blew a kiss at me. They ain't seen your prom, Spencer. <laughs> oh, that's foul. <laughs> that is foul. <laughs> anyway, the third leading receiver in terms of yards was Philip Brooks, who was 6 for 55. And Brooks and Landry were both the two most clutch receivers on the team. Yeah. It seems like whenever we needed them to come up with a big play or a catch on third and or fourth in some cases, uh, Philip Brooks on that zoom motion to the outside on the fourth down to get that touchdown, when you and I were looking at each other, it was like, I'm not sure I like this. <laughs> I'm not sure I like going for a touchdown on fourth in the first quarter. He was right there to catch and then get a touchdown for us. So they were both clutch performers. Yeah. Um, Kleiman, he did uh, mention this in his post game, but he, he said basically something along the lines of he knew that if we wanted a chance to win this game, we were going to have to take some major risks early and often. And honestly, every time it seemed like that we were taking a big-time risk, uh, offensively, it paid off. Like, except we did miss a fourth down later in the game, I believe. That was the that was the that was the Landry drop. Weber like drop air quotes. I mean, it probably was, but I'm gonna take it to the grave anyways because I'm because <laughs> I'm bitter. It wasn't a drop. Yeah, I'm bitter. Don't mind me. <laughs> and but yeah, Brooks. He the last even last week against Oklahoma State, he had a couple clutch uh, receptions. Uh, Brooks has been having himself a quietly solid season. Um, he now has on the year 17 catches for 225 yards and a touchdown, which puts him at 45 a game. Uh, honestly, pretty impressive uh, from Brooks, who's a guy that I'm pretty sure last week I was saying didn't have many receiver skills. And yeah. then, he, then he comes out this week and has six catches for 55 yards and makes some pretty solid grabs as well. So I guess that's what I get. The yeah. Speaking of getting what we get... The fourth leading receiver had one catch. It was a Keenan Garber sighting. Keenan Garber has been sighted, and I'm very happy about it. Yeah, one for 54. Yeah, and that's a that's a throw that um, I like. I saw Keenan like line up, and it was press coverage on the outside, and I was like, that could be good, and it was really good. And uh, that was a ball that was slightly underthrown. Um, it wasn't atrocious like underthrow or anything but it is a throw that if it's if he hits garber in stride there that's a touchdown mm-hmm. in one play so that would have been excellent but nevertheless we finally send our speedster deep and connect finally <laughs> and so that was that was a really encouraging play mess was taking shots mess was uh he he it was impressive honestly a lot of the stuff that he was calling so i i uh 
Uh, and I'm very happy with what we saw. And Garber, I'm, I'm happy that we're finally seeing a little Keenan Garber as well. Garber exists. Yep, nice to see him exist. And then the last receiver that I want to talk about, because everyone else had like one catch for 14 or something like that, was Malik Knowles, who had five catches for 21 yards. Um, he did have one or two, I think just one, really critical drop. Yeah. And there's one play that I really wish he would have dropped, but Malik Knowles had himself a decent day. He was separating all right. He didn't have the problem of not being able to catch except for one time, so it was a decent day all yeah. around. Yeah, he did have one pretty bad drop, uh, but he knew it. Um, other than that, uh, he showed really good hands on the day. On the first drive, he had an excellent uh, jumping grab for 16 yards. Unfortunately, two of the catches he had were checkdowns, and he ended up losing yards on them, I believe. So that did damage his uh, yardage totals on the day. But he did. He had some nice plays. Uh, Malik uh, looks like something maybe woke up inside of him finally um, after last week where he had a couple of very critical drops. He went on the foundation for five minutes and got angry. That must be it. I mean, it doesn't take... Anybody can go on the foundation for five minutes and get angry. But, yeah, it was nice to see Malik have a good day through the air. And he had a very nice uh, uh, jet sweep. And then, of course, he had the uh, kick return uh, late in the game to just barely keep the door open. But, obviously, that didn't last very long. But but that was the only possible scenario that we could have had to keep the game alive in that moment. And Malik did it. So, credit where credit is due. So, nice game for Malik. Yeah. And then the one turnover that wasn't on downs for K-State was the Jacardier fumble on the opening drive. And I don't want to dwell on it. All I'm going to say is, poor Jacardier. <laughs> it was really nice knowing him, honestly. Um, it's too bad that we will never see him again, probably. Because I really, I still really like Jacardier uh, as a back. I really like his potential. Um, he's a powerful guy. And, you know, I it, it sucks that he... He fumbles there. It does. He's got to hold on to the ball. but He was also in on that Will Howard fumble last week on the bad snap. He was. So maybe he's bad luck. The bad luck charm. Which, yikes, if so. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that was a really tough play because the offense was clicking on that first drive. You mm-hmm. know, they uh, went for it on fourth once, uh, had, a, um, had a key third down conversion. Uh, it just, everything was kind of working. Like, everything was lining up well. And you were like, okay, like, if we can score on this first drive. But, you know, that's a 10-point swing right there. Could have been 14 points if not for a uh, Caleb Williams uh, slash bad snap moment from OU. So. So now we get to talk about the defense. And I feel like this is going to be a contentious topic. The defense is not looking good. They're looking very, very rough throughout two weeks of conference play. They only had two sacks this week. One was by Felix. I don't remember who the other one was by. The other one was uh, Timmy Horn. Timmy Horn. Oh, well, figures. Yep. The tackling all around was suspect. The coverage was fine. And we let Rattler get multiple positive rushings, rushing attempts, and that's not something that should ever happen. Not because Rattler's a tree, but because he looks like a baby giraffe whenever he's holding. He doesn't look like no... You think Will Howard looks bad running? At least Will Howard has decisiveness. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, pretty unfortunate to see uh, how we were 
not really being very effective in containing uh, Spencer Rattler running the football. But he, unfortunately, was able to get through. We just didn't leave a spy on him because we were so busy trying to cover the pass, which I get. But nevertheless, uh, the defense, they just they couldn't really stop OU offensively for a majority of the day, save for the interception, which was a great play by Brents, and that was a uh, a big-time moment. So, Yeah, defensively, we had our set of issues, which we'll get more into in the next segment, which is the, the game day grades, which we take every week, and we give every single position group plus the coordinators a grade from F to A+, F being they lost us or came very close to losing us the game, A+, meaning they basically single-handedly won us the game. So let's start off with the position that everyone talks about and everyone will be thinking about going into these next few weeks, and that is the quarterback, Skylar Thompson. And honestly, this is the best Skylar Thompson has looked in a very long time. I'm still only giving him a B plus because there are a couple of throws that just it doesn't look that great with underthrows. The fade to Phillip Brooks, which... If he puts that anywhere else, it's a touchdown. But where it is, it had a very, very good chance of being a pick. There was an opportunity for the in the end zone where Malik Knowles got a ball jumped that very easily could have been picked. Those are kind of keeping me from giving him an A. But even then, it was a really, very good performance from Skyler. Yep. Skyler, I think passing the ball, this, is, this was his best performance in his entire career. Which is saying a lot because uh, yesterday was his 36th game as a Wildcat. So that was very impressive to, to see from him. Uh, 29-41, of 41, 320 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, only sacked one time, no picks. That completed over 70% of his passes. Uh, that was a very impressive performance from Skyler. He didn't run the ball at all because he just right off of injury. But I went with an A grade for quarterback. Just because, uh, taking into context uh, that he's coming off of an injury, uh, just got cleared in the morning. And then he also, the receivers, I guess is partly on the receivers as well. They went from last week where they just had a plethora of pretty bad drops to having uh, one of their better performances in a while, uh, I would say. Uh, Definitely best this season. Uh, yeah. By far for the receiver group, but yeah, Skyler he was excellent yesterday. Will I think would have been all right. I don't think the game would have been as close. I don't want to think about what would happen with Jaron, but uh, no. But uh, yeah, Skyler he he was the difference yesterday offensively. I would say. Yeah. Now let's talk about the running back room. I gave them an A minus and. They couldn't really get a whole lot on the ground done. What they did get was meaningful, but the Jacardier fumble really does take it down. Because A-plus, they would have had a ridiculous game. A, they would have really helped us, which they did, but that Jacardier fumble really... It, it does weigh a lot, because that's a critical fumble in the red zone against a team where you need as many points as you can get. Yeah, I had an A-minus uh, for the running backs as well. Uh, Deuce had a decent day. Um, he had a few plays where he was tackled for a significant loss, but most of the time, 
uh, he was either getting a couple of yards or he, and then he had a couple of longer runs, uh, but 15 carries, 51 yards, uh, not what you'd love to see out of Deuce, um, but it's manageable. Joe Irvin had a decent enough day as well, seven carries for 33 yards. Najicardia's fumble, again, that really hurts. But Deuce had an excellent day receiving, as we said, 10 catches for 104 yards and a touchdown. And then two of those catches uh, being catches where it might have been better just to drop the ball. So, yeah, good day for the running backs, especially Deuce, per yeah. usual. Yeah. Now let's talk about the wide receiver room, which has gotten a lot, a lot of crap from us and a lot of different people, but mostly from us. And this week they really, really stepped up in a big way. They helped out Skyler when they needed to. That being said, they didn't do anything particularly spectacular with their route running, and they weren't asked to make a, a lot of contested catches, but they were still a very important part of our team, so I'll give them a B. Yeah, I give uh, the receivers a B plus, uh, mainly just because Landry Weber kind of came out of nowhere to be pretty good. Uh, Landry, he, I don't know where this was uh, waiting, but pretty good day for him. Brooks had six catches for 55 yards and a touchdown, continuing what has been uh, by far his best season so far at Kansas State. Uh, he's nearly equaled his best season, which was his freshman year, uh, and he's done it in half the games that it took him in his freshman year to do so well. Garber finally broke through, had a big catch. Knowles, uh, he... His hands seemed to return, save for one bad drop. And then Cade Warner, he had one catch for four yards. Nothing crazy. Uh, would love to see some other guys get involved. Uh, I'd love to see more Tyrone Howell. Uh, I'd love to see him get some separation, maybe throw some jump balls his way at some point. Now Skyler's back. And then uh, I'd love to see maybe a few younger guys get involved as well. Like Jalen Travis is somebody that we've been waiting uh, to see for a while now, but he just hasn't quite been able to break through the rotation. RJ Garcia... He's a guy that we heard a lot of good about. But for now, uh, this unit, if they can maintain this level of play or even close to it, I feel much better about our offense going forward. This is by far the best receiver performance we've seen all year. Absolutely. Which leads us to the tight ends and fullbacks, which there's not a lot for me to say here. They get a B- minus because their blocking was fine and their receiving was fine. The nine-yard carry by uh, Sinnott. I always get him and Barty confused. It was really funny, and I really enjoyed watching it. But still, it's just a B-minus performance for me. I gave him a B-plus, mainly because Sinnott, uh he's kind of come out of nowhere recently. Ben Sinnott has to be relevant. He's been getting a lot more playing time. He's kind of taking over the fullback room, honestly. Uh, I think Jax, no! It's possible that Jax has uh, been injured. Um, at least that's what I'm thinking. Just because he, we haven't seen as much of him recently. Uh, Barda has been playing as much. We've been seeing a little Christian Moore here and there. Uh, he's, a, I believe, a redshirt sophomore at this point. But Ben Sennett just kind of showing up out of nowhere as a redshirt freshman to uh, kind of start to play well. He had a nice catch against Nevada, and then he comes out here with a nine-yard run on a key third down against OU. Uh, just a fullback dive out of absolutely nowhere, which is where the fullback dives always are. It's just <laughs> you never expect them to come, and they show up. Then Bebe and Wheeler each had one catch. Bebe for 11 yards on a key fourth down, and Wheeler, uh, the play before, uh, had a six-yard game. So 
decent enough day. They didn't do anything crazy, but they were solid. Yeah. Now, the offensive line, which I feel is the most improved group from last week, the just the way Cooper Beebe specifically handled Nick Benito was, that in itself is deserving of a couple boosts in the rankings, but they only let Skyler get sacked once, and against a pass rush that I was worried about going into, especially with how powerful they were. But only one sack. Run blocking could have been better, but still, they did really well. It's a B-plus for me. I think it's a B-plus for me as well. Uh, like you said, they improved so much from last week. I think it's them along with the receivers that improved the most from last week. Uh, Cooper Beebe, uh, his blocking against Nick Benito was unbelievable. Uh, Nick Benito was pretty much completely nullified this game, honestly, uh, which is unbelievable because I, th- I think that he's the best pass rusher in the conference. And I, I don't think that's too controversial. No, in the conference, definitely. And I think uh, Thibodeau is certainly in the conversation in that same tier. Thibodeau's better, but yeah. Benito's not far behind. Yes. So Nick Benito, he's, he's an NFL talent, and Cooper Beebe, a left tackle, just kind of deleted him from the pass rush. The rest of the offensive line performed pretty admirably as well. I mean, Noah Johnson had his moments where he'd get bull rushed back, but he also had his moments where he's pulling and played well, and he didn't have as many, obviously, that's his fault moments, which is nice. Uh, Hadley Panzer also had a few spot snaps uh, for Ben Adler, and he looked pretty good. Logan Long didn't look noticeably bad when Christian Duffy went out for a series with injury. Uh, Revis, uh, save for the suspect penalty called on him for <laughs> unnecessary roughness. Uh, he played pretty well as well. So, on a pretty pretty good day for the offensive line. I was I was pleasantly surprised to see them improve this much this quickly. Yeah. So, no one on my ranking got below a B-plus for the offense. Same for me. So, why did we lose this game? Well, there's another unit on the field. <laughs> yeah. Well, the defensive line wasn't so bad. The yeah. defensive line, in my opinion, is actually probably the best defensive unit this week. If we're not separating, if we're not separating the defensive backs into their respective positions, but yeah, the defensive line got pretty decently consistent pressure. We're able to fill their gaps pretty well. The only problem I had with them is that sometimes, and this was something I think I pointed out in the in the pregame, was they fell victim to. Oklahoma's very good ability to concentrate the pass rush into one location and create like 18 different lanes of escape. But just letting them do that is not necessarily 100% on them. It is still somewhat their fault, but they're still just trying to get after the passer and they were still doing it relatively well. They get a B plus from me. Yeah, I gave the defensive line a B. They were pretty good. Felix DK. He had his fifth sack on the season through five games, which he has just been excellent so far uh, this year. We, I mean, we kind of knew it was coming, but I'm still surprised to see it, uh, just how well he's been playing, especially since pretty much most of his production has come in the last three weeks. Because um, I don't believe he had a sack until the Nevada game, and he's so he's had five in the last three games. So that's been absolutely unbelievable from any DK. Um, they were forcing inside pretty well, uh, the run plays. It's just that another unit was kind of lacking there. 
and we'll get to them. We'll get to that. But yeah, the defensive line. Uh, Timmy Horn. He had again another great day. Uh, he had a sack and a tackle for loss, and was just uh, just an absolute menace in the middle of the defensive line. Uh, Trussell was fine. Matlick was fine. Pickle was fine. Uh, not many weak spots. Uh, Eli Huggins. He had some nice plays as well. Early, especially early in the game. Huggins has been sneaky good. Yeah, Huggins has been f- kind of flying under the radar because Timmy Horn has been so great. So it's nice to uh, see Huggins make some more splash plays. But yeah, B for the defensive line. Yeah. And now we get to the worst, the worst grade that I will be giving this week, and that is the linebackers. They get a C minus from me because when they were rushing, they somehow made the problem of no contain worse, which I don't get how you do when you are rushing. And their tackling was really, really suspect the entire game. And credit to them, and this is why they get the C- minus and not a, not a much lower grade. They were still flying around. They still had motor. but And they weren't the worst unit in coverage. But they had a lot of flaws to their game. And there are a couple of times where we just failed to stick the running back and completely stop a game, which there's another unit that had issues with that as well. But the linebackers were not helping our cause. And then going back to what I said about the defensive line, uh, the defensive ends did a good job forcing the run back inside. Boom Massey especially, he's very good at this. Uh, And then I said there was a reason why it wasn't working. That was the linebackers. Uh, the run was getting forced back inside. The linebackers, more often than not, on rushing plays, just were not filling properly. Uh, they just they weren't there when they needed to be. They had a few plays where they made exception to that, uh, like like Wayne Jones. He had a very nice tackle for loss at some point that really stood out. Um, but other than that, there wasn't a ton that was great about the uh, linebackers' performance. They weren't great in coverage by any stretch of the imagination. They never are. And then... Uh, they, the rest of the time, they, they had probably their worst tackling day of the year. Uh, I would say the linebacker unit specifically. Um, Daniel Green, he, even Oklahoma State, mm. o- Oklahoma State that was mainly defensive backs, I felt that struggled. Okay. Like, I'm, but then uh, Wayne Jones, he was fine. Hennington, he had one specific play that was really on the, on the rewatch, really made me just raise my eyebrows because he had a wide open lane to just blow up Spencer Rattler in the backfield and Rattler just sidestepped him and Hennington just flew past him and uh, t- wide open touchdown, which I suspect was a push off from the receiver. They don't really show it in the replay because Echo Boydo is like eight yards away when this happens and it's a comeback route and Boydo's just got his hands up. Like, did you not see that? It's like, well, nobody saw it. so nope. And they didn't show it in the replay. But I was a... Tough day for the linebackers. Yeah. I didn't hear your grade. C minus. Okay. And now we get into the defensive backfield, which I feel the difference between the outside corners and everyone else was very apparent because Echo's lone I know he was targeted more than once, but the one that he gave up that was really bad was off of a apparent push-off. An alleged push-off. We, we think it happened. We're not sure, but I think it happened. Because I don't... I've never seen anyone against Echo get that wide open. 
But with this group of receivers, I can see it happening. If it were any other team, I would take out the allegedly and say it was 100% a push-off. But with how talented and twitchy these receivers are, I can see it not being the case. But anyway, 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 anyway. The, the, the main people bringing down this grade was our safety room. Because our safeties were not having a great day in terms of tackling or middle field coverage. Which, if you're gonna pick a, if you're gonna pick one team to have a bad middle field coverage day against, you may not want to pick Oklahoma. It's among the last teams that you would want to pick to have a bad day in middle field coverage. So I mean, OU they'll just dice you up. I mean, even if they've been allegedly struggling offensively this year, it's still OU. They're not struggling generally because of the defenses they're facing. They're generally gonna be struggling because of internal issues. And eventually they will figure things out because it's an OU offense. And there's just too much talent there for it to not eventually work. Yeah. And so anyway, the defensive backs get a B from me. The outside corners, Brents and Echo and Gardner, when he was out there, they all did well. Denson had a few snaps. They all did pretty well. It was just on the inside, It was they left a lot to be desired. And tackling was... Uh, yeah, safety tackling, again, was pretty suspect, which is crazy because our two leading tacklers were safeties. And I don't know how that is because they, especially Russ Yeast, he had another pretty bad tackling day. Uh, it said he had seven solo tackles and eight total, uh, but he also had a lot of key missed tackles. Uh, Drew McPherson had five tackles. He didn't. He wasn't as apparent in the bad tackling department. Um, and then you have... Um, TJ Smith, he didn't have his brightest day either. Uh, he's kind of been struggling uh, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, Reggie Stubblefield, he had a really nice day again, uh, back from injury. Reggie! Yep, yeah, it was nice to have him back. Uh, there was a pretty awful pass interference call on him, I thought. Uh, he had a great yeah. pass breakup on a key third down, and it was a really soft defensive pass interference call on Stubby. Uh, I, that really was upsetting to see. Then uh, Echo was Echo. Brents had a, had a very clutch interception. Uh, Denson and Gardner were both good. Uh, Sincere Mason. Uh, he wasn't noticeably terrible. But the tackling in the secondary, especially the safeties, really needs to improve. Yeah. And it needs to improve sooner rather than later. And now we get into the coordinators. And, you know, to start with Courtney Messingham... And let me tell you, Mess had himself a really, really good day. Like, <laughs> he really did. Like, <laughs> yeah, there was a couple suspect play calls whenever towards the the latter end of the game where you'd want to see him hurry it up a bit more. But other than that, Mess had a really, really, really good day. I would contend that he had his best day as K-State's offensive coordinator on Saturday. I don't think that's a controversial take. I think that's the truth. Yeah. Like, he was great. Um, I, I, You didn't give your grade, but... A-. minus. I gave him an A. Man was great. The agenda is dead. <laughs> the agenda is dead. Until next week. Until next week. Yeah, well, well, well two weeks. bye week. Yeah. Two weeks. We can give up bye week grades. Mess gets an F. No, no offensive yards gained. <laughs> Flannerman gets an A-plus, though, because no, nobody no else got any yards. yards. <laughs> Pretty crazy day. <laughs> but, yeah, mess. 
Uh, he, we, on the preview episode, like we talked about, basically, the best way to tackle use defense is probably going to be in the short passing game. And Mess did exactly that. And that was really satisfying to see him just take what was given and just roll with that. Like, honestly, with that scheme, I think we would have even been successful with Will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because we weren't doing anything crazy. You know, we were running lots of mesh, little smash concepts. But, you know, it was working effectively. And it, it was just a, it was a really great offensive scheme. Uh, it was a really great game plan. And Mess deserves all the credit in the world. The offense was clicking yesterday, uh, save for the, uh, the fumble, but Mest isn't carrying the ball. So yeah, and even then that was like he gained seven yards before he fumbled it. Yeah, uh, he he did pretty well. So, but it was a very nice day for Mess. Uh, ever since uh, we <laughs> took a big dump on him, he's been doing pretty well. <laughs> so uh, maybe maybe he listens. Maybe he listens. So if that's the case, and it was uh, talking smack about Mess that got into call good games. Maybe Mess sucks. Maybe Mess sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's the worst offensive coordinator ever, and he smells bad. And he smells old. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, now we get to be slightly less optimistic, and it's been a, it's been a tale of two coordinators because of the beginning of the season. We were all questioning Messingham, and now we're all questioning Klanderman. Klanderman to me gets a C minus this game, but I could very easily be convinced to drop that down. And it's just there's so many defensive play calls that he makes where and I get it, defensive coordinating is ninety-eight percent guessing. But it seems more and more recently his guesses are completely wrong. And he's putting players in situations that are not the best for them. And, like, certain blitz calls that he makes, like, okay, I don't like seeing Ryan Hennington blitzing. Fair enough? That's that's basically what I'm getting at. Right. I don't like seeing him blitz, because that's not his skill set. And I get it. First year, new scheme, you're going to have growing pains, different players playing different positions that they weren't recruited to play. But as a coordinator, it's your job to figure out how to make that work. I know square peg, round hole doesn't typically work. But if you're going to make a switch to a defensive scheme and switch as rapidly and commit to it as much as he's done, you need to figure it out. And we had it figured out. And we'll go into why later, why I think this is not working out in conference play. But... Long story short, Klanderman gets a C minus. I went with a B minus for Klanderman. I didn't go as hard on him. Mainly, the only reason I didn't go as hard on him as Ace did is because uh, OU offensively, they're always one of the best offenses in the country. Their play calling is incredibly creative, and they it's a near impossible task to face them as a defensive coordinator unless you're elite at every position, which K-State is not. We are not even close to elite at every position. We are elite at maybe four positions. Boundary corners, that's two. And then defensive end and Timmy Horn when he's in a nose tackle. And that's stretching it, I think. Yeah. Like, so, Klanderman, 
given an impossible task, but he still did not perform well. Uh, he wasn't horrible, but he was nowhere near as great as we were seeing in those first few weeks. I'm not sure if it's as we have more film gathered on our defense that teams are figuring out where to go more, or if it's just we're facing more high-powered offenses, or if it's just we don't have the personnel that we need yet to properly staff a 3-3-5. I think it's a little bit of everything in this case. I'm not ready to like throw in the towel on the defense by any stretch of the imagination because we just played two of the better offenses that we're going to face all year and two of the offenses that match up best against our defense we just faced. So I know we're, I'm not even close to throwing in the towel on this defense, but two uninspiring performances in a row from Clarenman, so B-minus from me. Yeah. So now we can go into the MVPs for this game, and I feel like there's two answers that fit this best. And the first one that I'm going to go with is on the offensive side of the ball. I don't feel like anyone will disagree with me. The MVP is by far Skylar Thompson. Just the performance that he had was truly inspiring. I feel like even though we lost this game, Skylar coming back is a shot in the arm that this this team needs. Yeah, I I think there's really not a lot that you can say to dispute that. Skylar coming back was just it was unbelievable the profound effect that he had on the team. Um, I don't remember who I gave my pregame MVP to. I know I gave mine to Cooper Beebe and Daniel Green. Mine was Malik. and No, wait, no, I picked uh, Felix. Cooper Beebe and Felix. Yep. I had uh, Malik offensively. Um, he did have the kick return touchdown, and he played well, but he wasn't definitely not the offensive MVP. Um, but Skyler was... It was it was his best passing day as a Wildcat, and he's played a lot of games as a Wildcat. Yeah. So, uh, he only had like two turnover worthy throws uh, that stick out in my mind. And when you're throwing 41 passes, that's very good. So, I, I can live with that. And he didn't. He only had one air quotes rush attempt, and it was when he was got. And it, that was when he got sacked. Yeah. So, so he was doing all of that with no semblance of QB run game, which is really impressive. Skyler is the MVP. Deuce is a close second, but. Yeah, Cooper Beebe honestly might claim second. Beebe was very good, honestly, for what he did against Nick Benito. Like, like there, there's a legit argument for him. If Deuce hadn't had such a great day receiving, I, I think it would easily be Cooper, but I think there's an argument for either of them at second. Yeah. So defensively, this is the one where it's most wide open. I'm going to stick with the pick that I had before with uh, Felix and UDK Zoma. Because even though he only recorded one sack, he was decent enough at getting pressure and forcing Spencer Rattler out of the pocket, which, unfortunately, Spencer Rattler has ridiculous arm talent. Credit to him, as much as it pains me to give him credit for anything. He has ridiculous arm talent is still able to make those throws. But, yeah, Felix Enyudike Uzoma is my pick. Yeah, I, um, I had a... Daniel Green going into this game. Uh, Daniel Green definitely was not the MVP of this game. He was not even close. Uh, there's a few people we can make an argument for. Julius Brents at the pick. That was absolutely huge. Great to try and get the momentum swinging the other direction. Uh, and Felix, like you said, 
Uh, he had the, the sack to continue his great season. Timmy Horn was uh, also, again, just great. But I think I have to agree with you on Felix uh, getting another sack for uh, uh, five sacks in the last three games. He's been excellent this year. No way to really uh, skate around that. So, just yeah, Felix has been great. Yeah, King so. Felix. King Felix, he's been excellent. Oh, shout out to uh, last week's MVP, Ty Zentner, for yet another excellent punt today. <laughs> the one punt of the game. Yeah, the only punt in the entire game, and he sent it 60 yards. And it went out at the 19, I believe. So, that man Zentner, he's really good. <laughs> that's, just, that's an unironic take. Like, he should be punting in the NFL when all is said and done. Absolutely. So now, let's talk about our takeaways from the game. And the first thing that I have written is the Big 12, it, it is becoming apparent why there is such a difference between non-conference play and conference play. And that is because the Big 12 is intimately familiar with our defensive style. I'm not sure if I said it last week, but I talked with Connor about it a lot. I think that Oklahoma State is the team that we talked to about our 3-3-5, maybe Iowa State. But the fact that I have suspicions on multiple teams that we could have talked to that run very similar, if not the exact same defensive scheme that we are running. That makes me suspicious. That And it makes me think the Big 12 is intimately familiar with this scheme. Why is that bad? Because it is our first year with this scheme. We don't know the ins and outs of it. You can't learn the ins and outs of a scheme and how it applies to your players just by talking to other coaches. The Big 12 knows the 3-3-5 because most teams in the Big 12 run a 3-3-5. And the more and more I think about it, I don't think it will cost us many more Big 12 games, but the two that it has cost us has cost us because of familiarity. That, that's at least my take on it. Yeah, I think you're onto something with that. Um, and I do I do think that you're also onto something with Oklahoma State being the team that uh, uh, taught us the most about the 3-3-5, mainly because of just how much they were able to dice us up in the 3-3-5, um, especially in the first half before we were, we were able to make appropriate adjustments. But, yeah, that's... It's gonna, there's going to be growing pains with this defense. We were able to be so effective with it in non-conference, partly because uh, we're running it well, but also because there wasn't a lot of film on it and teams weren't expecting it. And now that we move into the Big 12, who now knows that we run the 3-3-5, they're all very familiar with that, and there's a little film on it, and they also play a lot of other teams that run the 3-3-5, and we're also just not quite used to running it yet. It takes more than one offseason to really fully get used to a new scheme uh, and get, just get the right personnel for it. That's a perfect storm for teams that have really good offenses or teams that run a 3-3-5 really well and know a lot about it. Now, that's a, a great opportunity for them to expose us in some areas that we may not be fully ready in yet. Now, with that being said, as more recruiting classes come in and we recruit personnel that are more tailored to what we want to run, that should change. We should see an uptick in our defensive performances in conference, and that uh, uh, should start to reflect how we were against our non-conference opponents. So I'm remaining optimistic. I think our defense is talented. I just think that right now there's a lot of factors 
that are running against the defense. That and, like you said, defensive coordinating, it's a lot of guessing. So yeah. sometimes you just guess wrong. Sometimes you just face an offense that's just really good. <laughs> so Yeah. And we just happened to face two of the better teams in the Big 12 in the first two weeks of the season. Yeah. Which, the more and more I look at it, the more and more I think that it is a genuine possibility that the Big 12 championship is a rematch of Bedlam. And that's something that we talked about back in the summer as possibly being a thing to happen, but it was more of a joke. It's not a joke anymore. It is no longer a joke. That is, I would say, the most likely outcome right now. Because it's not looking like Iowa State's making it to Arlington. We have a very long shot at that happening. We need OSU to start losing, which doesn't seem likely. And we, the only other school that would really compete right now is Texas. I guess, and I'm not convinced on Texas yet that they'll. Like Baylor could make a push. Baylor could make a push. They did just lose to Oklahoma State, so they are now on the outside looking in. But the the conference is starting to shake itself out right now. OU, Oklahoma State, Texas at the top, followed by K State, Baylor, uh, Iowa State, Texas Tech. Oddly enough, West Virginia, I'd say before Tech. West Virginia as well, yeah. I'm just saying Tech because they just, uh, well, no, what Tech Tech just beat West Virginia this weekend. Did they? Yeah. Uh, 23-20. So Tech ahead of West Virginia probably, which West is very Virginia bad. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently, they'll yeah. still beat us. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how Tech is doing what they're doing. Matt Wells, just coaching for his life right now. He has now. no idea what he's doing. Anyway, side that was a side and a side. This game overall, moving on to the next takeaway, this game was atrocious for any unit. This is a, as much as optimism I took away from the Oklahoma State game, the optimism I took from that game was that we never stopped fighting. The optimism I took from this game is that, wait a minute, we're good. We're competing. We're not just fighting for the sake of it. We are competing with the class of the Big 12. Yeah. And I was talking about this with somebody, but they brought up a great point in that uh, um, the difference between this year and the last two years is that even though we lost and did not win as we had the previous two seasons, the difference is that in those previous two years, it seemed a lot more like OU beating themselves as opposed to us winning. And it seemed like rather than calls going against OU and screwing them over, there were calls going against us and screwing us over. It felt like more so. So we were getting the opposite treatment as we had before, but we were still hanging around in the game and playing OU pretty close. We just didn't get the breaks that we needed, unlike last uh, the last two years where we got every single break that we needed down the stretch. Exactly. So uh, that's encouraging because that means that like for us to play what we think was a poor, or at least a, an off day for the defense, the offense still played very well. But with one unit playing poorly, we only lost by six points. So even though the, one of those was a kick return touchdown late in the game, that's that still counts as points, and that is something that you have to count on as a K-State team is that you're going to get a special teams touchdown or impact in some way. So Yeah, and I don't think this next thing is controversial. I think that if we play any other team like we played Oklahoma today, we're winning. If we played Oklahoma State like we had played OU yesterday uh, or on Saturday, then which is yesterday, which is yesterday from right now, then... I think we would have beaten Oklahoma State. I don't think that's controversial at all. So I think you're onto something with that. We would have beat a lot of teams the way that we played OU yesterday. 
just some some bad breaks down the stretch um some controversial breaks some that just were bad and you know that's that's enough to have you lose a tight game so yeah and the last thing is as much as you and I like Woe Howard it's abundantly obvious that Skyler is what makes this offense go at least now just with the way he passes and the way everyone on the offense seems more confident and competent with him under center, it's it's night and day. Yep. That's the difference when you have a, a second-year freshman under center that has really only had one offseason uh, to get any sort of practice in, who, while he still has talent, um, and I think that he has a lot of potential. He's still not quite there yet, although I do really like Will, and I, I'm really excited for the future with Will. He's still not ready yet. That's the difference between him and a six-year senior that's been running this one offense for a majority of his college career, playing with a lot of these guys for a majority of his college career. The, the experience is invaluable, and a lot of times at the collegiate level, that's a difference maker is the experience as opposed to the talent, especially in games where you're not basing squads with four and five star guys of course that's what happened with OU we just faced a a squad with just a ton of athletic raw talent and there's not much you can do against that you just need some lucky breaks against teams like that we didn't get that but that didn't really matter we still played him close so yeah but yeah Skyler he he is the engine that makes this team go yeah so that pretty much wraps up all we wanted to say for the recap episode I don't know what we're going to do with ourselves not doing a preview episode for Iowa State because we're not doing it on the bye week. No. And we're not previewing the bye week. <laughs> hey, was, the bye week's a tough challenge. The so. bye week's a tough challenge. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll watch a little film on the bye week and let you guys know how it is. You know, <laughs> I'll get some score predictions out. My offensive MVP is Landry Weber pregame <laughs> for the bye week. My score predictions have been awful every time. I was close for my one this week that would have been without Skyler, oddly enough. I was off by three either way. Hmm. I said 40 to 28 without Skyler, and the final score was 37-31. Hmm. And then I was close on Oklahoma State, just wrong teams. Or I had it on Oklahoma State, just wrong teams. Yeah. So. But anyway. So just listen to me. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like a defensive coordinator. I'm just guessing. Yeah, so. I'm just guessing. We both pull up with, like, literal hours upon hours of film study with complex notes regarding team tendency. I just can't guess the score. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only difference is that I I just get a little luckier, I, I guess, with the uh, score guessing. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. If you want to follow us or contact the show, we are at Aggieville Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we are at AggievilleACats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, and capital B. If you want to support the show financially, you can purchase things on the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, which includes such designs as what I was wearing at Saturday's game, the Play Sandstorm Cowards t-shirt, or what Connor was wearing, or thought about wearing, the Neon Alley Cats hoodie, 
as well as other designs. But most importantly, thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. See you later, Alley Cats.